Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and this is Life Over Coffee. In this particular talk that I want to bring to you, I, I, I want to talk about two objective positives about being part of a group. We all belong to different types of groups. Of course, we belong to Christianity. I trust many of you, most of you, if not all of you, are Christians. Uh, some of you are married, so that is a group in itself and so forth and so on. But when you think about belonging to a group, there are two positives about being part of a group. Now, one of those positives is that we all believe believe the same thing, and so we have a shared belief system. That is the actual upside to group think. Uh, we all think the same things, and so I'm saying that in a positive light. That is a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. And so one of the benefits of being part or being associated with a group is that we all believe the same thing. And then the second thing that is very positive, and I call this the psychological positive of feeling good to be part of the group. So there's a shared belief system, the things that we believe, and then there is this psychological positive. And what I mean by that, there are benefits like acceptance, that's a psychological positive, approval, a significance, being respected within the group. All of these are psychological positives. Uh, the reciprocation of love, that is a psychological positive as well that flows from these relationships. And so being part of a group, the benefit of a shared belief system, and then the psychological benefits of approval, acceptance, love, respect, those are two wonderful things about belonging. But what, what, what I want you to think about here is the dangerous dark side of these communities. When the benefits, the psychological benefits of the community, like finding approval within the group, when that becomes more crucial to you than whatever the group may believe, the temptation will be to compromise what you believe because the benefits of being part of the group, being part of a relational community, are more, are more vital. I'll give you an illustration of this now. I'll talk more about it later. But when I was a teenager, uh, I compromised things that I believed in order to be part of a group. Because I liked the psychological benefits of having people who respected me or loved me or approved of me. They affirmed me. And because the psychological benefits was more important to me, I was willing to compromise my own belief systems. And so I got into vandalism. I got into weed smoking and, and other unsavory things because the belief system didn't matter. I'll just do what they do and say what they do, uh, say, and I'll check the boxes because there's a psychological benefit of being part of the group. And that is the dangerous dark side of a shared belief system. And that's what I want to talk about. Christianity is one of those communities where everybody supposedly believes the same thing shared belief system, and we have the psychological benefits of being part of that community. But here's the question. Is it possible 
that there are some, and I'll put this in air quotes, is it possible that there are some believers in your community who accept the beliefs, the doctrinal beliefs of Christianity, only because they want to be part of the group. They want the psychological benefits of approval and belonging but they really have a disinterest in the actual beliefs of the group. When the benefits, the psychological benefits of the community are more important than the community's beliefs and the belief system, there will be compromises within the community. Now, this idea of community goes all the way back to the Trinity. There is something within us that wants belonging. That's one of the reasons I believe God said in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. We are communal creatures. And so I, I am framing this in the most positive light. There's nothing that has to be wrong with the benefits of being part of a community. Being made in God's image implies, among many things, a desire for community. Our Trinitarian God is a community, and he made us his image bearers to where it was not good, as he said in Genesis 2.18, for man to be alone. And so the gift of a community is absolutely essential to living well in God's world. Uh, this is 2022 when I'm doing this uh, here, and we just came out of a pandemic, and we're already seeing the devastation of what it's been like to shelter in place for two years. We need to be part of a community. But the problem is that after the fall of humanity in Genesis 3-6, the desire for belonging became so significant and even twisted in some people's minds that it didn't matter what the shared beliefs were as long as we could be part of somebody's team. And again, I was illustrating that with uh, the group that I ran with as a teenager. It really didn't matter what they believed. I just wanted to be on the team. Now, for Christians, what we believe, our belief system, well, that's theology. That's the most vital thing about our connection with God and with other people. But for every believer, what we believe, our doctrines, our theology is not the main thing. It would be inaccurate to assume that everyone in the room on Sunday morning holds to the truths of God's word in the highest of esteem. esteem. It's just not true. There are many professed followers of Christ who choose these communities for their benefit for the benefit of these communities, more than the non-negotiable shared beliefs of the local body. Many years ago, before I was a Christian, I became part of a multi-level, what they call it, a multi-level marketing organization. It was Amway, back in the early days of Amway, back in the 70s or maybe early 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. And my leader, and I don't remember the language now of Amway, it's been so many years, but my leader, the person who recruited me into this multi-level marketing organization, was a deacon at a Baptist church. 
And so I thought, I'll just go to a church with him. And, and when I got to the Sunday school class, and I, I didn't know anything about church. I was not a Christian. And when I got to the Sunday school class, I noticed that virtually everybody in that Sunday school class was, were Amway distributors. I'm not throwing shade on Amway. I'm just sharing my experience with, with Amway. I'm sure it's a reputable organization. But my experience was a little bit different. And everybody in that Sunday school class were virtually were Amway distributors. And then during the time of fellowship where we had our coffee and our donuts, if a new person was visiting the church and visiting our Sunday school class, we Amway distributors would look at each other and say, well, it's my turn. Uh, or your turn. I recruited the last one. You can recruit this one. It was evangelism. It was Amway evangelism inside of a church context. I didn't care what they believed. I didn't, it never even dawned on me. I was dark as night. I was an unregenerate person. Now, I can't speak for everybody in that room, but I was a pagan. My father was the devil. And so the belief system didn't matter. Actually, the belief system was Amway, not God's word. And so it didn't matter that I was inside of a church. I was belonging to another group, and I enjoyed the acceptance, the significance, the approval, the applause of that group, regardless of the context of which I was in. And that is a problem when the psychological benefits are more important than actual the belief system of the group. In this case, the belief of the church did not matter to me at all. There's a passage of scripture that really just hits you in the face where we are challenged that when we lose all the psychological benefits and it's not important to us because there is something more valuable and that is our doctrine, that is our theology. And that passage of scripture is Hebrews 11, 37 and 38. You've read this before. And this is what it says. They, talking about Old Testament believers, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. I like what the King James says. They were sawn asunder. And they were killed with the sword. And they went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You should finish this passage maybe at another time. Hebrews 11, 37 and 38 is what I just shared with you, but go to 39 and 40 and read on. There was something so valuable, theology, God, his word, doctrine, that even if they were mistreated and as they went about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, they lost all the psychological benefits of, of the group, but it didn't matter. The way, with you, the way with which you can test my thesis is when suffering or persecution comes to the community, to your group, whatever community, whatever group that may be. If a believer, for example, believes what they believe as the supreme thing, they will endure hardship, pain, or persecution while tenaciously holding on to the Christian faith to the bitter end, which is what this passage in Hebrews 11 is teaching us. But the person who seeks psychological belonging of acceptance and approval and significance and love as the primary thing, they will peel off when the going becomes rough. 
They join the group for social belonging reasons and the perk of being part of such a community. Now, let me quickly state that enjoying the benefits of a community does, community does not have to be wrong. It doesn't have to be wrong to experience love within the community. No, that is a wonderful thing, but it cannot be the primary thing. It is personal suffering that challenges our faith more than anything else. Persecution is the litmus test that lets you know what you believe. Now, in most first world Christian communities, there is no cost for discipleship, or in the past, there has not been any cost really to discipleship in first world countries. We become believers for many reasons, maybe for friendship, maybe for reputation building, maybe image enhancement, maybe desire filling. For me, I became a believer, quote, end quote, for the purpose of recruiting people into my multi-level organization. But the tension is that the benefits of belonging cannot be the primary reason for connecting. It's all about the accent mark. Where do you place it? On the benefits of the community or the shared beliefs, the doctrines, the things that we hold true? The day of belonging without adverse consequences is, is passing before our eyes. And if there is a dark side to the shared beliefs, if you have that, if you have a dark side to the beliefs that you say you share, you tacitly believe, then the weaker soul will probably succumb to the temptation to leave that community because of the perishable benefits when the disappointment comes. This dark side between shared beliefs, primary motive, and communal belonging, the psychological benefits, is not a unique problem within Christianity. People infiltrate every group to enjoy the privileges of the group. They do not have a death till, till we part mentality, a death till we part commitment to the organization or to the group. They are not like those folks in Hebrews 11 that I just shared with you. And so I want to talk about six groups and just illustrate how our commitment to the group can change when the benefits of being part of that group changes. And so it's a shared belief system that is not as important as the psychological benefits like approval, significance, love, and respect. And when we lose these things, the psychological benefits, then, well, whatever we believe, it wasn't that important anyway. Now, I just want to share six groups with you, six communities with you. Uh, you can list more. The first one is marriage. Couples enjoy the benefits, the psychological benefits of their private community. The private community is their marriage. A marriage is an autonomous domestic empire of two people. That is the community. It's a small community, but it is a small community, and there are many psychological benefits of being part of that community. But not every spouse is decidedly committed to the presumed shared beliefs of the union, and the shared beliefs of the communion is holy respect for the one flesh covenant that they made before God. That is the shared belief, the primary thing. And you will hear their lack of commitment to the shared belief, the, the holy respect for the one flesh 
commitment when they talk about the relational benefits. They'll talk about these tertiary matters and how they are continuously changing. Well, he's not the man that I married. Well, of course he's not. And these tertiary matters like communication or beauty or sex or prosperity, those things become primary things. Now, again, I'm not saying that they are unimportant, but they are not as important as our shared holy respect, our our commitment to the covenant that we made. And if these psychological benefits begin to wane, they may end the union if they don't have a devout, shared adherence to a biblical marriage, their primary motive. And what they will do is they will reset as they look for these psychological benefits in another relationship, a relationship with less friction than their current relationship. And so marriage is one illustration of a community where our shared belief system, it begins to lose lose power, lose influence, because the psychological benefits are not gaining in uh, 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 gaining in our experience, but they are waning. Another group is gangs, street gangs. A street gang member enjoys the psychological benefits of identification with the group. They have their black jackets. They have their emblems, their tattoos. They can show the world their communal belonging. But if you want to test the allegiance of a gang member, pull him out of the group and talk to him privately. Perhaps you have done this. I have. You can do this with a rebellious teen. He was fierce in his community while secretly hoping someone would love him enough to help him. He wasn't committed to that community. He just liked the belonging of the community. And so when he was in the community, he was fierce. This is what we believe. But his deepest desire was for someone to go behind his mask hurts to provide an escape from the hellishness of his life. You'll often find that this facade of toughness is is not as bold, is not as courageous, is not as angry, not as resistant, or not as unwilling to accept your redemptive help. In fact, he will accept your redemptive help, and what you see on the face of the cover is not who he really is. And after you separate him from the shared psychological benefits of being part of the group, his his loyalty to the shared beliefs of the group is not as strong. A third illustration are millennials. We have witnessed two generations of kids who, after turning 18, left the church because they found a new community with new psychological benefits. Some of them went to college. Others started their vocational careers. As youngsters, they played with the other church children. They grew up with them. They ate worms in the youth group. There were mission trips, too, but their commitment to the shared beliefs, theology, was not nearly as important to them as the fun found in the community. When their friendships, friendship, when their friendships shifted, try saying that, when their friendships shifted to other contexts like college, They left their well-worn church community for the psychological benefit of the next adventure. 
this problem is why sound theology is the most vital thing that any parent or any youth leader can teach a young person. If you win them with eating worms, if you win them with games and activities, you will not keep them because there are always more fun things to do in other places after they grow up. Long after the games, the noise, the outings fade to black, what they know about God will either tether them to the community or it will not if they do not know God and so political groups would be another illustration. Now, it is impossible to escape the political noise in our world. The Twitterverse is a hot, angry cloud of political opinion where keyboard warriors are boldly proclaiming their beliefs while enjoying the benefit of camaraderie with other like-minded combatants. There are scores of video interviews from those who have challenged the belief systems of these angry keyboard warriors, and they're kind of humorous and sad, all wrapped in one, because in those interviews, you will see how what they believe is inconsistent at best and incoherent at worst. What they say they believe is nothing more than a safe passage into a community where the psychological benefits of acceptance and respect are really the vital things. They don't know what they believe many times, oftentimes. There's, that's why there's such an incoherence and inconsistency when you challenge them on their belief systems because it's really about being part of the uh, group the psychological benefits. They will tacitly promote their belief systems even though they can't articulate the core tenets of membership. Another group is the lonely. And I'll, I will illustrate this by illustrating myself. When I was a teen, I chose a dark community of other rebellious teenagers because I was lonely and they let me be part of the group. I didn't care what they believed. As much as my craving for their acceptance and their approval, their shared beliefs centered around beer drinking, weed smoking, and vandalism. It sounded good to me. You believe that? I believe that too uh, because I want to be accepted. Who cares? It was only after landing in jail that there was a tension between the things we shared in common, breaking the law, and their approval of me, the psychological benefit. The belief of vandalism and doing rebellious things became very less important to me uh, because, uh, or I'm sorry, the approval of them became less important to me. The, the uh, <clears throat> reset. The things that we believed breaking the law uh, began to uh, affect or, or made the psychological benefits less important to me. Because if this is, if the psychological benefits of approval and acceptance, if that's what I'm in here for, but yet it's landing me in jail, then I don't think I want to be part of the group. And so I will let go of the psychological benefits. And it was at that point that our shared beliefs did not matter. And so I chose a different path from them, a new belief system that was law abiding. And of course, they promptly lost interest in me. Another one is vocation. And so my reaction to my former criminal community sent me 
searching for another group. I needed another group to belong to because I wanted to belong. I wanted the psychological benefits of community. And so it became the workplace. The type of job did not matter as long as I found belonging inside this new group. I do find this somewhat humorous that people really just promote what they do. Like, this is the most important thing. You need to get this product. You need to buy this. This is the greatest thing. And I wonder sometimes, do you really believe that? Because I've worked at jobs where I talked up the job as though it has always been the most nearest and dearest thing to my heart. I worked in a glue factory once upon a time, and it's like I had no interest in glue. Glue was a tertiary matter, but there were other things that were more important to me, and sometimes our jobs, we can talk about them as though they're so important, and the thing that we do is so important, but no, uh, it's not. Uh, this is just where we are at this space and time. And so the type of job that I did did not matter as long as I found belonging inside of some new group. And so I learned the ropes. I did as they did. I became like them. And once I discerned all the do's and don'ts, I found new belonging. I found psychological benefits, which was really the main thing. Even though some of my supervisors taught me things that bothered my conscience, the main thing was belonging, which part of that, what they teased me with the carrot of, of corporate advancement. And so I will do whatever I need to do to find greater approval and greater acceptance and greater significance. Many Christian employees sacrifice their shared beliefs of the Christian community, doctrine, theology, and they replace those beliefs, those shared beliefs, for their vocational community, at least between the hours of nine to five. And so this false dualism of saying, I believe in Christianity and the doctrines, but yet I sacrifice those between nine to five, at some point, all of that will fold in on the individual. You can't press the truth of God out of your life without consequences, which is the teaching of Romans 1.18. Or as Jesus said it this way in 6.24 of Matthew, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and money. Those are six illustrations of communities where if we're not careful, we will check the box of groupthink because the psychological benefits of the group will become more significant to us. And like as a teenager, yeah, I believe in vandalism. I believe in smoking weed. I believe in drinking beer and getting drunk. No, not really. Actually, what I really believed in is I just want somebody to love me. I want somebody to care for me. The American Christian is facing a new day where our shared beliefs, our doctrines, are no longer the social accepted norm. We are a shrinking minority that millions of fellow Americans are growing to hate. And this is happening around the world to the entire Christian community. This time in history is when what we say we believe goes under the angry surveillance and the scrutiny and reaction of the God-hating mob. 
They are the ones who determine what is acceptable. The persecution of believers will break many from their Christian communities because there is no more psychological benefit for being part of the Christian community. Our reaction to persecution is the dangerous dark side that will challenge us to rethink our beliefs. The former earthly perks of Christianity are diminishing by the minute, while the vital need to know that you believe what you believe has never been more life-threatening. It would be natural to think that everyone who is a part of any relationship, whether it's the Christian community or a marriage, is in it for the long haul. You could presume that there is nothing that could tear someone away from their community. But this perspective would be short-sighted. Surgical suffering and persecution will be the instrument in the hands of the Lord that will cause us to rethink why we believe what we believe. It will determine whether or not we will continue with other like-minded believers. The question is, are you part of your community? Because it's more about what the group believes, our theology, or is it more about the shared benefits of the group like like belonging, or things like fellowship, or just someone who understands me, or maybe opportunity, or personal growth. These psychological benefits do not have to be wrong. I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but they can't be the main thing. There is an order, and we must know this. What we believe about God is the foundation upon which we stand. And if this is true for you, When the benefits of Christianity are not coming your way, you can continue to stand firm. I've titled this The Dangerous Dark Side of a Shared Belief System. There is. And so we really need to ask ourselves, what do we believe? I want to wrap up by by asking you a few questions. And I trust that you would... Uh, Take the opportunity to reflect on this. By the way, I do have an article on our website. It's titled, The Dangerous Dark Side of a Shared Belief System. I think if you type in shared belief system in our search box, it would come up for you. And everything that I just shared with you, you can, you can have it. Uh, you can print it off. Uh, it would be an excellent small group discussion. It would be an excellent discussion within the community uh, that is important to you. And maybe that is just you and your spouse if you happen to be married. But at the end, there are these questions, and I want to share those with you now. All right, so number one, think about all your social communities. Who are the individuals and groups with whom you belong? And so it could be marriage, family, dating, Church work, school, sports teams, hobbyist, military, you can think of others. It's so it's a, just pick, pick them all, pick one that you belong to. All right, so number two, what are the psychological benefits of those communities? Now, you'll probably come up with things like friendship, acceptance, respect, reputation, image, personal fulfillment understanding, having someone that understands me. And so number one, pick a group that you belong to, a social community, or maybe several. And then number two, what are the psychological benefits? And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I mean, there should be good things. There should be 
good psychological things that flow out of these communities. Now, number three, we're drilling down. How do the beliefs of those communities line up with God's word? And so you take my community that I've illustrated a couple of times already, of being a teenager. Well, I wasn't a Christian, and so I do understand that. But let's say that you're a Christian teenager, for example, and you belong to a group of other teens in some other type of community, maybe ROTC, maybe CAP, uh, Civil Air Patrol, uh, Boy Scouts, maybe a sports team, a soccer team, etc. All right, so you belong to one of those social communities. How, how do the beliefs of that community line up with God's Word? Now, this is where you want to be careful because the temptation will be to compromise God's Word because you want the benefits of this community. And so the question is, are you part of any organization that compromises the Bible, but you belong to it because of the benefits? Now, if so, if that is true of you, what does that tell you about you? Yesterday, I just read an article. It was an excellent article on Substack. Uh, it was written by a rising senior at a public university, I believe, and he was writing an open letter to the incoming freshman. And he was telling the freshman that uh, there is going to be a tension. You're going to hit it immediately when you start your college career, and that will be groupthink. And there's only one way to think, and it's a woke way of thinking. And so you'll have to decide. It was a, it was a very courageous and good and instructive and rebuking letter that you will have to decide. Are you going to go with the flow because of the psychological benefits of being a part of that group? Or are you going to hold to your convictions? Now, this was not a letter by a Christian, I would assume. I I don't know. But are you going to hold to what you believe, or are you going to compromise what you believe because you don't want to be outed, you don't want to be canceled, you don't want to be alienated, and you really want the benefits of that group? It was an outstanding letter, and it's something that we all have to ponder. And so the question here in number three is, uh, are you part of an organization that compromises the Bible, but you belong to it because of the benefits? All right, so number four. What if the benefits begin to wane? What, what if you, they begin to disapprove you and you, you become uh, unaccepted? Is your adherence to God's word holding you firm? And to go back to the Hebrew passage in Hebrews 11, they were losing the benefits of living in this world. But what held them firm was God's word. Is God's word more vital to you than any benefits you may lose from being true to God's word? Now, you will know the answer to this question when the persecution takes away the blessing, and all you have left are your doctrinal beliefs. I titled this talk, The Dangerous Dark Side of a Shared Belief System. These are things that are important to us in our uh, ministry here, and I trust you have benefited from them. Uh, These resources that we have here, we give away freely to you, and we appeal to you to give them freely to others. We try to create most of our resources in a read, watch, listen format, so you can read, as I mentioned, you can read this article if you wish. 
Parish. Watch the video or you can listen to the podcast. And again, please share those with your friends. Now, if you are able, and this is a small minority, we have hundreds of thousands of people that benefit and share our resources. And I'm grateful and I hope it goes into the millions. But it is a a, a small fraction of a percentage point of those who have the ability to support our ministry. And so our business model, if I can frame it like that, uh, we give our products away and we do it with joy. We do it with gladness. We do it in faith, knowing that the Lord will move a few hearts that want to underwrite this ministry. And so if you are one of those persons that's able to underwrite, because I know that everybody can, and so there's no guilt tripping here. But if you're one of those persons who can, you can support our ministry monthly, annually, or a one-time gift. And if you're able to do that, would you make that a matter of prayer? And would you also share this burden with others? Say, hey, here's a ministry that gives their stuff away. Uh, I know that you have the ability uh, to be able to underwrite. This would be a wonderful missional outreach uh, opportunity for you as they're sharing the practical message of Christ globally. And so consider for yourself, and then please share this burden with a friend. And then finally, there's some of you who might be interested in being part of our mastermind program. It's an all-online school that, that teaches Christians how to do the work of discipleship, how to do the work of biblical counseling according to their capacity. And if you are one of those individuals that say, you know, I, this is the season of life for me. Uh, maybe you're an empty nester, or maybe you're in process of empty nesting. Maybe uh, you do have where you can um, have the time commitment to do an all online course that's heavily supervised. It's very much hands on. There's four of us at this point in time. I'm one of the supervisors. We have three graduates from our school who are also supervisors as well. And so we're very much involved in the students' lives as much as we can through the internet. And so there's a lot of reciprocation. And if this is a season in life for you to where you want to do a deep dive in all things discipleship and learn how uh, to grow in your skill, of discipleship would you consider our mastermind program the dangerous dark side of a shared belief system thank you so much for listening you have been listening to life over coffee with rick thomas if you have a question for rick you can let him know by sending him a note through his website rickthomas.net that's rickthomas.net thanks for listening enjoy your coffee